Welcome to the One Hour Intern. I'm your host, Will Brigger. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with professional baseball outfielder. He's played in the MLB for the Los Angeles Dodgers and was on the team when they won the 2020 World Series, Jock Peterson. Jock, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Will. Excited to be here. So to get started, obviously you're coming off a uh, world championship year, but you're going into free agency. What does it look like being a free agent as an athlete and how are you approaching the next couple of months and the decisions that you have to make? It's kind of the first time you make a decision since I made a decision to sign and play professional baseball out of high school or to go to college. So obviously I decided to sign out of high school to, with the Dodgers. And this is like kind of my next big decision. Uh, the past 10 years have been an uh, unbelievable experience with the Dodgers, but I haven't had to make any decisions. I've been under contract the whole, the whole time. So I've, just, I've loved it and it just did, it just did my job. But this is kind of the first time, like you said. So it's interesting to hear from other teams, to imagine you in a different city, different uniform, stadium, all these different outcomes and outliers that could be different for the good or the bad. You know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. So it's trying to find the best fit for me and my family and uh, where I can go somewhere and win another World Series. And what's guiding your decision making right now? How are you approaching the future? conversations with my agency and my family, like I said, just to figure out what city, what team organization would be the best fit for me to be successful and help contribute to a championship team. Yeah, of course. So let's jump back to before you were world champion, Jock Patterson, before you knew baseball was your future and this is the decisions you were making what was life like as a kid for you? I grew up in the Bay Area, Palo Alto. My dad played baseball and football in college and then went on to play professional baseball. So I guess you could say sports were in the family. I grew up playing three sports, basketball, football, and baseball. And I have two older brothers that I played with and a younger sister who played soccer but was... I mean, obviously, pretty sporty family. And yeah, it just turned out I was a lot better at baseball than any of the other sports. <laughs> so with a family focus on sports and athletics, what were the real values that you passed around? And how did your parents make sure that you followed those specific values? Something that was important to us was just always family first. And that's something that goes on and still is a huge value to our family perseverance, integrity, a bunch of different things, you know. My dad played baseball. It's a game of failure. So, you know, you get knocked down on the football field or basketball or something that doesn't go your way. You know, you get back up. You don't give up and you just keep going. And respect, respect for all the games, the sports, your teammates, the other teammates, all that. And have learned some, some lessons throughout the years about stuff like that. A lot of hard work, respect, all that good stuff. Be a good teammate. Definitely a lot of stuff like that. When you think about those values, is there any moment in particular that really helped you learn them where you failed to follow <laughs> those rules or where you follow them in complete excellence? I think I continue to, to mess up some of them. I guess I haven't learned yet. 
so my dad has a story. He was supposed to make the bed. Him and his brother were supposed to make his bed every morning or something. And they had a championship game, Little League, and he didn't make the bed. So then his mom came on the field and grabbed him by the ear and dragged him off the field and made him go make his bed. So that's something that's kind of my dad's told and stuck with him. And when I was in Little League, I kicked the base because I got pulled out of pitching. So I had to go play the field and I kicked second base as I was walking off and probably like threw my hands up like in a disgusted way. And next thing you know, it was like a reenactment. He grabbed me by the shirt and put me on the bench and sat me down and said, you don't act like that on the field and you don't show up your other teammates. <laughs> so I guess that was one lesson, like I said, to respect the game and respect your teammates. So, yeah. Do you make your bed every morning? I think he did not like making his bed. So that was not something that he uh, carried on for us. So no, luckily, yeah, I probably should, but no. Yeah. So now let's go back to when you're 17. The year's 2009. Obama has just been sworn in as the 44th president. Gas is only $2.40 for a gallon. And the Yankees just won the World Series. Up to this time, up to the age of 17, what's the biggest struggle you've faced in life? The biggest failure where you had to get up or just the hardest moment? I think it probably had to be schoolwork in school. That's something that I did not thrive in. I had ADD, ADHD, all the above. And sitting in a classroom was extremely difficult for me. So I kind of got in a lot of trouble and kicked out of class and stuff like that. And not by, I don't know, just by being disruptive, not like in a disrespectful way on purpose, but just school was a struggle. Can you just talk about how you, you dealt with that and how you kept moving forward with getting kicked out of class and having to deal with ADD and kind of some learning um, difficulties? I had to, yeah, I mean, I had a few options because it got to a point of like, the teachers were like, we cannot allow this to continuously go on. So it was like, I had to meet with a psychiatrist and all this stuff. And I ended up having to start taking ADD medicine and it helped a little bit, but I had a, a learning disability too. So I had a special class that was like, help me manage my time and homework better. I guess you could, that makes sense. So okay. like they would help with like essays and help I don't know, just get some of my thoughts out on paper or, yeah, I just needed special assistance to help with stuff. So it just didn't come as naturally as, I guess, stuff on the field. And my dad and my parents would always like say, if you don't get grades, you can't play. And if you don't get grades, you can't go to college and stuff like that. And it's just as important as I know it is. And it was, it just did not, my young 17 self would just get in the way of myself. Yeah, of course. So then in the end, you did get a scholarship to USC and you did work your way up. Were there any skills you learned along the way that really helped you address your personal difficulties and ensure that you were able to survive in school so you could compete on the field? <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I mean, I just did, I guess, anything I could kind of get C's and B's in school. So I guess you can used your imagination. I wasn't the best the best kid. So unfortunately, I think there was some <laughs> looking at my neighbors next to me's paper and stuff like that. But uh, it's not proud of it. 
if I could go back, I would change a lot of things. But yeah, my mind was only on sports and whatever I could do to stay on the field. And yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that life of sports as a high school athlete, starring on Palo Alto High School team and working on your craft at the same time as surviving in school, but continuing to work on your craft and putting in full effort on the field? What helped you get the drive there? I was fortunate enough that my dad was around a lot. So whether it was on weekends or when I come home from school, just playing catch in the front yard, going to a batting cage, stuff like that on game days during high school, he would come over to the high school and we'd meet at the batting cage during lunch and, uh, and hit kind of like batting practice before the game. Cause you didn't get batting practice before a high school game. You just went over there. Yeah. Just doing small stuff like that, putting in the extra work on the weekends instead of playing halo with friends or doing whatever in high school, that type stuff, I think uh, definitely paid off. And I guess I was dedicated at working hard at that, but not school work. <laughs> yeah. Got to make some decisions on priority and what you want to focus on, right? Yeah, I, I guess I just think a little differently. And I think, yeah, instead of being forced to do social studies or science that I have zero interest in, if there was more stuff around nutrition or more like college type, I don't even know what you call it, when you get to pick your own classes. More of like an elective choice opportunity. Elective, yeah, elective opportunities like that. I think I would have excelled at stuff that I was more passionate about. You said in the beginning that you played three sports and baseball was just what you were best at. And you just talked about finding your passion and following your passion. Can you talk about how you made the decision that baseball was what you really wanted to do and it wasn't the other sports that you were playing and you had a possibility to pursue a career in baseball? Yeah, it's actually interesting. I was, uh, I think, a little bit more successful at high school football. I was uh, pretty, I guess, dominant, as I guess you could say. And I was fortunate enough to have good guidance. And a lot of information about the concussions and CTE was just starting to come out. And I guess just, so you start looking at like longevity of careers, like in long term. And it's like a football player's career is on average shorter than a baseball career. Injury risk is a lot higher and just take into like everything into consideration. And I think overall, I was just a little better. My projectability was better in baseball than football, but it definitely did have some tough decisions when I was younger. And football is a a lot more fun. There's no comparison to the adrenaline and the intensity that Friday night lights feeling is a special feeling where baseball can get a little monotonous at times. Yeah. How did you make that decision? Like, how did you come to decide, you know, you were looking towards the future and not towards that everyday adrenaline rush? You know, that's a hard decision for a high school or a college student to make. I think a lot of it is just, like you said, discussions with my parents and mentors of understanding school and that work or working in a cubicle or like that type stuff was not in my future because I did not excel in in school on that. So it's kind of like, I guess, looking at what would be the best career path. Like I had to start looking at more as it as a career rather than a game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like looking deep into it, like, all right, what 
do I have the best chance to be successful to make a career out of rather than doing something that might be more fun or cooler short-term experience that then I will have to go sit behind a desk, which is not something that I would look forward to doing. So just conversations like that. And How did making the decision that it was a career, not just something to do in high school, something to have fun with, change your approach to the game and to your dedication? It was difficult because obviously I was committed to USC and they have an awesome college, party, girls, all these different things that attract you to the Southern California. And I don't know, it's just for some reason that never really made a priority to me. Like I don't enjoy that, I guess, as much as other people. So I really enjoyed playing baseball and it, the minor league life is not luxurious like college, but it only makes sense if you want to play in the big leagues and if things work out. If you get drafted out of the high school and things don't work out, you probably wish you went to college because you're passing up a great opportunity in school. But if things do work out and you can make a career out of it, it is the best decision you could probably make. And things did work out. You played in a collegiate baseball league before you rescinded your commitment and you decided to play for the draft. But in that collegiate league, you really boosted your stock. You became a much more valuable player to teams where you kind of had an opportunity picked in the draft. What was going on in your mind during that collegiate baseball league time and what really helped you move to the next level to the point where you would be drafted? Yeah, I think it's kind of like high school baseball. The competition isn't as good. You face maybe a couple good pitchers or like average velocities and stuff like that to where it's metal bats. And then the college summer league is wood bat and like pitchers are throwing harder. So it's just a little more competition to where they can get a better idea of how you will be at a, at a higher level. So that was the reasoning to play in the collegiate league right out of high school. The other thing was my brother is two years older than me. It was kind of like our last, we grew up playing together. I was on like varsity as a freshman. So we played together quite a bit and it was going to be our last time that we could be on the same team and play baseball together because yeah, that's time was coming to an end. So that was kind of the decision to go to the same league. So it was, we were roommates and played together and did all, did all that good stuff. And it was in Hawaii, which made it a lot more fun. So you have this older brother who you have a great relationship with. You played with him a lot. Did you learn any lessons from his experience or from his guidance as an older brother? I guess not really. I don't know. He approaches things different than me. I think our brainwaves are a little different, but it definitely was fun to share the field. And I think some things came a little easier to me than for him. So it was just a cool experience. Yeah. So the next step in your life is being selected in the draft in the 11th round by the Dodgers. Obviously, it's an incredible feat to be drafted to the MLB or to any professional sports league. What was it like to be picked and know that your dream was coming true? Yeah, it was definitely a dream come true. The draft process is pretty interesting. There's 30 teams, obviously, that are picking on a timetables. So kind of what they say, like slot money, like each pick has a slot. And those 30 teams have a bunch of, they've been scouting you. And the scouts aren't necessarily in that room. They're just like the middlemen and the messengers to messengers to, there's a long like scouting to the person who actually makes the pick. 
So they're on the phone with you calling like, Hey, would you sign for this slot at this round and like stuff like that? And then different, would you sign for this slot? So it's pretty hectic, a couple hours of, of that. And they're all trying to get all this information, see what players they like will sign at what picks. So then take the best picks. I guess I was kind of projected in like the late first round, second round. And the money that I was asking for was more like late first round. And I didn't get picked in any of those. And then some teams started to call in the second round to offer me the slot money. And I was like, no, my number is higher than that. So then they obviously pass and they take someone else that they can pay the slot for. And then as it gets later in the draft, I got drafted in the 11th round. So I got drafted assuming that I was just going to go to USC because no teams wanted to pay what my number was. So yeah, it's a pretty crazy process like that. Like a lot of negotiating, a lot of calls, phone, like, you know, to everyone trying to figure out what it would take for you to sign. It was pretty hectic. So it ended up, I got drafted in the 11th round. And then when all the negotiations were done, they were short on what, I said, so I was like, all right, I appreciate it, but I'm going to go to USC. And then they said, all right, we respect your decision. Wish you the best of luck. So that was kind of like the end of it. So I was headed to freshman orientation. USC, like they have the cruiser bike. So I just bought a cruiser bike. I was headed, we were going to drive down. And that morning they call back and they, uh, they say, hey, we thought about it. We actually want to, we change our final offer to X. And then, yeah. So then instead of driving down to go to freshman orientation, I drove down to LA and uh, took a physical. And yeah, so that was that. Then signed with the Dodgers after the physical. So you didn't get picked in the first round and the second round like you thought. And you had this really hectic experience. How did you deal with the draft not necessarily going your way in the beginning and you having to make a split second decision, which ended up not being the decision you followed, but having to make that split second life changing decision to not participate in the draft and go to college. Yeah, it was definitely tough. I think I didn't know what to do because <laughs> you have your number that you're like, all right, this is the number I want to sign for. And then they don't reach it. So then you're like, all right, I'm going to school. And then they, come at you with a number that is really close to the number that you wanted, but it's not the number you wanted. So you have to make a decision of like, you think it's just like black and white, like, all right, they don't get there. I go to school, but then it's like, do you really want to go to school? So then all that starts creeping in and you have to make a decision. And I didn't know what to do. So honestly, I think I flipped the coin and I think it landed on my heads or whatever. So I ended up signing, but I think that the coin just helped. If it would have landed on college, then it would have been like, a, if I wasn't excited to go there, maybe it would have helped make a decision, you know, mm-hmm. like just to see where your heart really is. I know that I was not pleased with how that whole situation went down. And I even told my agents, like, I thought that the process was extremely rushed and hectic and made for the decision to be difficult and stressful, which Maybe it's always like that. And I was just young and that was the first time that I had to, but it seemed like, Hey, you have two hours to make your decision, you know, and it was I definitely felt the pressure that was put on. So maybe that was yeah. just a first time experience of that. 
yeah, was not happy with the way that it all went down. After going through it, did you learn anything that you tell yourself now to help deal with pressure in serious moments or kind of just any lessons that you took from the hectic experience, I guess? I think it's just the experience definitely helped understand it's a business at the end of the day and it's a little ruthless at times, but you just need to best prepare. I guess I wasn't as prepared as I thought and you need to prepare better as in like, what is your lowest number? Like, here's the number you want. And then here's your lowest number that you would take and nothing else. And you kind of just got to stick to your guns, you know? And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I think that's where you do your homework and you put in all this work to figure out what is your number and then what is your lowest number and financially or whatever works with you with your financial people and your agents to, uh, to make it work and you just stick to your guns. Yeah. I think that is, that's a huge, huge key. Yeah. A lot of players use the number of people drafted before them as a type of motivation and kind of to help them move along their career. Did you get any motivation from that particular experience? Definitely. It's actually pretty interesting. There's a lot of different motivation in baseball because it's not only the, the draft is one thing that's just public, but then it's like you have people in your organization in baseball that are play the same position to you or ranked higher or at a higher level. But the management and the GMs have changed since I got drafted. So I got drafted by a different GM that is now the GM of the Dodgers. And that GM has brought in, or president has brought in other GMs from teams that they were GMs for other teams. And now they're like assistant GMs for the Dodgers. So I think we had like the Padres GM, the Rays GM, Blue Jays, and like a couple other ones were all the Dodgers had like a powerhouse of like four assistant GMs. And when you're going through the process, you're going to all these recruiting camps and you know, you're following it very closely. So you know who's the other outfielders or other people that teams are looking at that are comparable to you and like they got drafted in the first round and now looking at it seven eight nine years later and i'm in the big leagues and they're not yeah of course but yeah that was definitely motivation while you're younger for sure so before we talk about your professional career where you were in the minor leagues and you made it up to the major leagues i want to go to a segment i usually do in the middle of each interview called the coffee break where you tell less a chronological story about your life, but more an embarrassing moment. Anytime in your life where you kind of, you're laughing at yourself or your face turns red when you think about it. Is there a, a funny story that comes to mind? Funny story. Nothing crazy, honestly, but it's popping up. I know one time, it's not funny, but one time I got demoted from low A ball to rookie ball. So I got sent down. It was the first time I ever got sent down. And it was just like that feeling that you have and the embarrassment to call your parents and tell them that you're going to a lower league because you did not perform well is a feeling that you don't want to have again. So that's kind of like, you know, it's not really funny, but that's just a, you know, that feeling and you just are going to do everything you can to not have that again. How do you bounce back from a moment like that? You get demoted on a professional level and someone's saying you didn't perform well enough and they strip you of the title that you've worked so hard to have. How do you 
come back. I think that comes from your roots and how you were raised, um, the hard work and in the perseverance and stuff like that. But yeah, no, that was tough. And I know I got sent down and I did not do well when I got sent down really big into the mental games of, you know, and like stuff like that and your confidence is down and all that. And I actually had a coach there that I think 100% changed my career and just helped bring me like in the moment and set new goals and challenges every day to keep me motivated and like present rather than, Oh, I got sent down pity, feel bad for yourself, stuff like that. It was just a daily grind of, perfection and like it made it fun again you know instead of grinding it made it it made it fun enjoyable excited to show up and then i started to thrive for sure do you have any advice for people who are not necessarily in the same failure but who go through kind of a rejection like that where you get demoted where you the results not what you want like from your personal experience bouncing back from that and going from demoted to actually playing on a world championship team, that change in mentality, do you have any advice for people? I think the biggest thing is, I don't know much about the working world, but I think the process is huge. Results, because I play a game, results are like everything. Everyone wants results. Results make you feel good. You got to get out of the results. You get, the result was I got sent down, like, because I did not play well. But then he just got me back into the process of what will lead to success over time. And it might not lead to success right away or every time, but it just gives you the greatest room for air. And then you just find joy and love in the process. And you just continue to embrace the process and stay away from the results as much as possible, whether you got turned down by, a job interview or something, but dig back deep into the process of why you're doing this. What do you love about what's your passion for whatever you're doing? And over time, I think your results or your promotions or whatever will come to you. But if you're just looking for promotion and you're doing this for a promotion or doing this for a hit, it's like, that's just short term. Like that doesn't last and it's not going to bring you happiness. Enjoy what you're doing. And I think that will definitely lead to a, a longer, happier, enjoyable career. Yeah. So you bring up a point of doing it not for the short-term results and doing it for happiness and following your passion. That's a lesson beyond baseball, but something you've learned from your baseball career. In your time working through the minors into the majors, getting demoted, getting promoted, and having all these different kinds of changes, what other non- necessarily baseball specific lessons did your coaches teach you did your teammates teach you did you learn yourself through that experience i've learned a lot i think everything comes with a choice i think that's something that uh i didn't go to college so i think in college you can make some decisions and you kind of grow up on your own i was kind of thrown into the real world i guess you could say like a business where it's like there's no curfew there's no anything so it all comes with a choice and if you want to do go out and have drinks and stay up all night or do whatever you still have to come the next day and compete it's not like oh man i got a tummy ache no it's like hey you're here to show up at seven o'clock and do well so i think just learning time management learning how to save money because you're not making very much money in the minor leagues how to 
there's just so many life lessons I learned, I guess, through grinding a bit that have definitely stuck with me. Yeah. Is there, you know, you say save money and make decisions wisely, time management. What are the main tips that you've had from that experience, you know, from the grind? What advice can you give after having to learn those skills? You start to realize what's important to you. What are necessities rather than wants? And obviously everyone's different on how they want to, I guess, money. You could say money. Like you want to save money to buy a nice car or you want to save money to eat at nice restaurants or save up for whatever. And then where I guess my thought process was like, I wanted to save for like a family so I can take care of my family one day and just thinking more. I thought more long-term. So like a lot of people, when they sign, they use their signing bonus and buy a car. And I was like, I'm not going to buy a car until I make it to the big leagues because that's a goal of mine to where you start making money in the big leagues, you know, and just setting different goals like that. Or obviously everyone views stuff differently, but that's just the way that I viewed it. That definitely helped me is like, I'm not going to, Basically, my thing was I'm not going to spend money until I know I'm going to be making a lot more money. Like I'm not going to like live a lavish lifestyle because I'm in a professional player in the minor leagues. I'm like, no, I'm gonna wait till I'm in the big leagues and actually making real money. So that's how I viewed spending yeah. and saving and stuff like that. Of course. So you make it to the big leagues. Life changes, but so does the the pressure of each game and the the pressure of hitting well and playing your position to excellence in just a different world. How do you deal with this new level of pressure, this new level of competition, this bigger challenge that you're faced with? Yeah, it's a question I continue to go back and forth in my head because I came up with the Dodgers who, is, who are a uh, winning organization. They, we've won, I think, seven titles in a row now, NL West titles three World Series appearances, one championship. It's a win-now organization to where you're a young rookie and you come up and all you want to do is help the team win. And at the same time, all they want you to do is help the team win. And if you're not helping the team win, you're not needed. It's not like you're on a team where the main priority isn't winning and like there's time for you to get used to the league and adjust and like go through some performance struggles because they know long term you'll be able to fit in if that makes sense it's you're going to help the team win or you're not going to play and i was really really good when i got in when i started i think i hit 20 home runs in the first half of my rookie year all star but then uh it's a little difficult and i hit a a rough rough patch and to handle those struggles on that especially the Dodgers, like a premier market where there's media, where there's fans and you're getting booed and like stuff like that. And you're not even like really comfortable at the level that you're, you know, and it's like all that weighs on you. I ended up getting benched towards the end of my first year. Like I was an all-star my first year and also got benched my first year, if that makes sense, which sounds crazy because if you are, if I'm on any other team, it's like, no, we're going to let him ride. Like He's going to get out of it. It's fine. No sweat. Pressure's a lot lower. 
But like the Dodgers, like, no, we're heading into the playoff run. He's not playing well. We need someone to play well so we can win the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Understandable. I get it. And Don Mattingly called me in the office and was like, hey, you're not going to play as much anymore. And I said, I get it. <laughs> I've been sucking lately. So like just different stuff like that. How do you bounce back from that one? You know, you've you've had experience getting demoted in leagues and working and kind of changing your mentality. But at this point, this is a an even bigger demotion, not necessarily from a position wise, but you were at the top and they just benched you. What do you do to bounce back? What do you do to fix your mentality? How do you yeah. regain confidence at the bat? All sorts of things. Yeah, like that. and it, it doesn't come overnight and it still continues something I continuously work on and I think they view it as we'll slow the game down for you by you're not playing as much, let you get your emotions intact and certain stuff like that so that you're able to compete and be in a better mind space when it is your opportunity again. But it definitely does hurt deep and you can't do anything about it. You just got to continue to get better. And I know that off season, I couldn't do any during the season things. It's moving so fast. You can't focus on that. So then when the off season hit, I, said I need to go find a hitting coach that will help me get better so I can compete because what I was doing is not acceptable and that's why I got benched so it's just different scenarios like that throughout your whole coming up it's like you just never figured it out you've never never stay content it's always improving so no matter if you're doing good or doing bad there's always the process that you're sticking to and kind of just stuck to that yeah I've had I've definitely had like a, a roller coaster type career with some some crazy things that have happened. So yeah, because like you look back and you see some of these guys play on losing teams or mediocre teams that get opportunities, and it just changes financially how much they make, which I think is messed up in the game. But I guess that's for a different day. Because they're getting opportunities in the first three years of your career. It's all about quantity over quality payment wise for like your salary, which doesn't make sense. It, it, yeah, I don't, I, it's just, it's too deep on the first conversation of that. But you just look back and you're like, damn, like, how are these players on crappy teams with worse numbers getting paid more than me? And I'm on this team who wins every game, but I don't get to play every day because we have all these great players. And it's like we're taking a financial hit for being on a really good team that we don't even have a decision to be on this team. And we're in the playoffs every year, which is awesome. And then these other players are literally doubling the amount of money you make. And it's like, damn. But like I said, that's for a different day. So you kind of do bounce back. You improve. You continue to improve. And your team makes the world championship and you're playing here. What's it like to know that you've contributed to such a big success and that you are a factor in a team winning a world championship or the reason for, not the reason for, but part of success that's happening? It's a pretty awesome feeling. I think that throughout my whole career with the Dodgers, the 10 years you have, the Dodgers used to be a pretty big force to be reckoned with back in, uh, I think like 19, when they had Tommy Lasorda as their manager, they won a few world series. So those players always, the, when the players from, I think 1982 and 1988, and they always come around because they're legends. 
I don't think you realize that while you're playing, but it's like you have Oral Hershiser, uh, Mickey Hatch. Like you don't even know these guys, but they were on the Dodgers who won the World Series back in the day, and they come around and like people are still yelling for their autograph. They're legends. When you're in the moment, you don't realize the long-term effect of what it is to win a World Series. And the Dodgers have gone 32 years without a World Series. So to be on a team that did that, I guess it just, we haven't even seen like the impact, I guess you could say. It's going to last forever. People don't forget, grandparents took, saw it with who they used to watch with their dad, watched it with their son now. And then it like, it's, it's generational. It's crazy to hear some of the stories of like, I used to watch this guy with my dad and he watched with his grandpa and went to this game and saw that world series out. And it's like world series are a lot bigger than I guess you realize right now. So I'm just excited to see that. And uh, we worked really hard as a unit. We had a good core group of guys for the last seven ish years. Cody Bellinger, Seeger, Justin Turner, Kershaw, Kenley, Austin Barnes, Kike, Chris Taylor. These are all the same guys who we've had for like the six or seven years. And we've lost two World Series, obviously one in a crappy way by cheating. But to win it with that same group, I think made it even more special. Yeah, of course. So looking back... You know, as we wrap up, awesome questions that are more generalized to your whole life rather than chronological following the story. Looking back, you talked about having your dad as a mentor and having your coach as a coach. Were there any other figures that stood out in your life that taught you really valuable lessons that you use today? I think, yeah, those are definitely two huge mentors. I have one more that I still stay in touch and I've started working with him, I think, three-ish years ago. It's kind of like a sports psychologist I guess you could say a mental coach mental coach and I guess over the past 45 minutes I've discussed some really cool highs and some really low lows and it's a lot to handle I didn't know how to handle it so he's taught me a lot about how to approach things perception perspective just all these different ways to be able to be in the moment stay present not let bigger moments like the World Series, anything like that, overcome you so that you don't perform as well. And it's not like I have that figured out. That's still something that is a constant grind of learning your mind and learning your heartbeat and figuring out how to slow that up in bigger situations. Dig deep into the process of breathing and slowing things down so that you're at your maximum capacity and best level to be able to compete. Yeah. So you've implied in your answers before some of what he taught you and how you can keep perspective and approach different things, but can you give a little bit more specifics about some of the things he told you that can kind of translate to help my audience deal with pressure and add perspective to their lives? Yeah. So instead of being like 3000 feet up, which is like implying like a more stressful situation, you're on a ledge and you're looking over and everything's like uncomfortable and tight. And all that, it's like being three feet off the ground. And it's like, oh, this is no big deal. And something that, you know who Alex Holland is from Free Solo? The rock climber. Oh, yeah. He's free climbing. No rope attached. Al Capitan. Al Capitan. And he's way up there. And one slip, 
one thing he's toast like all those people they're talking to you so like i watched that video with him and he's like look he's whistling it looks like he's literally like three feet off the ground there's no stress in his eyes like you can see in his eyes and then it's not like he's like oh fighting like everything that he's doing making his but it's like he's calm and confident and in a position to make the correct next move that's like a generic way so it's like you want to be calmer in more stressful situations, but he puts you through a protocol and a these different exercises that help train that. It's all the same catchphrases. Like it's nothing different. It's facts. When you are in a calmer state and your heart rate's lower, you're able to make more correct, decisive decisions on what you want to do and you can execute better. But it's like, how do you get there when the crowd's yelling, when there's loaded bases or when two strikes or when stuff off the field, you're in a fight with somebody or your kids or all this. And so how do you maintain that same heartbeat and all that? So he puts you through these different protocols. Pretty cool. Some people use like cold exposure, Wim Hof, so that you're putting your body through stress and learning to adapt and stay calm through stress rather than fighting it and making it way harder on yourself. Yeah, that makes sense. So as we come to a close, I want to ask you two questions. The first will be, now that you've experienced success in the athletics world and you've become a pinnacle of success as an athlete, how would you define success personally? I think defining success, if I had to, it would be finding something that you love and enjoy doing that's also challenging. So finding something like that that has like a couple hiccups in the road and you find a way to get through these different bumps in the road that you still find joy when the hiccups, you still find joy when things are down and you're like, damn, this sucks, but it's not that bad. It's like, yeah, you could say winning a World Series is success, but is it? I didn't do it individually. Like it was a whole team effort, but how do you come back the next year and still be successful? You can't put it in like, Oh, I had a good year because those just come and go. And that's where I think it's more into the process. It sounds dumb, but it's like success I think is in the process. And it's like digging deep and loving the process over time. You'll have good results, but you'll be happy with what you're doing. If that makes sense. I don't know. It's uh, it's not dumb. That, that sounds Makes total sense. For my last question, I just first I want to say thank you so much for giving the time. Thank you so much for being here. And at the end of each interview, I ask the guests to give PowerPoints, a little bit of a, a summary or three main bullet points of the advice that you give or the advice that you want to give the audience. What would those three pieces of advice be? Find joy in their process so to get out of the results and find joy in their process. And I think after that, you're going to start to enjoy whatever that is you're doing because you're not worried about the results. That's the main thing. I think stay present and in the moment. If you have a big test coming up, all right, cool. You've already done all this preparation by learning everything. Don't freak out about the test. You have a big game. Cool. It's just another game. You've already prepared for it. I think the process brings happiness and that is it will give you more joy and mental freedom. So stay and stay in the moment. That's about it.
Jock, thank you so much for everything. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to One Hour Intern. I hope that you explore more of our episodes. Follow us at One Hour Intern. The one is spelled using the number one. And if you enjoyed, please rate, follow, and subscribe. The One Hour Intern is produced, hosted, and written by me, Will Brigger. My co-producers are The Blue and Studio Pod. Till next time. Thanks. Thanks.